Some of you may know me well enough to know that I am very competitive. And I married into a very competitive family, and we have raised very competitive children, and competition is a regular part of our life. And sometimes we take that competition off sort of the game, the 2D kind of games, into the 3D world, because we love escape rooms. Have you all ever done an escape room? Are you familiar with this? Escape rooms are where you willingly get locked in a room somewhere by a stranger, and then you've got to find clues among random items within the room in order to get yourself out of the room. It's good fun if you haven't done it. Escape rooms are designed, sometimes simply, where you solve a little puzzle and you move around the room and each little piece or step along the way builds on itself until you find a key and you get out. But the really good escape rooms kind of lead you down a path and then you have to double back and you've got to go where you've already been and begin to uncover those clues in a very complex way. I can remember one escape room that we were in years ago where it was sort of a nautical theme and there were beachy things and boaty things all over the room and we had to find these clues. And in the corner of the room was a locked room, like a small closet. And we could see through a window that in that little locked closet was an old school radio that you would find on a boat and then a big Uh, I guess, poster of flags that was kind of like Morse code. And I knew we had to get in that room and we had to figure out something about those flags in order to get out of the escape room in total. And so when we finally figured out how to get into that little closet, I was very excited only to find that we had to get a clue there that sent us back out into the room to find another clue that allowed us to put together the pieces to solve the flag Morse code style puzzle to let us out of the room. I tell you all of this because I think we kind of have an escape room style gospel in today's lesson. Now, is that not the best segue you've ever heard in a sermon? Okay. I see in today's gospel lesson from Mark two stories that have been merged together. We begin in one place, we go to another place, and we get the clue to unlock the story around it. This structure is called a Markin sandwich. In the business, Mark uses this regularly throughout his gospel, where two stories help illuminate each other. You start with one that seems relatively simple, and then you go into a second story that helps you understand the first story better. Today, we get that kind of complexity in these healing stories. Now, you likely noticed that today's gospel lesson started off pretty dramatically. Jesus is greeted by Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, who tells him that his daughter is very sick and about to die, and he needs his help. And Jesus goes and begins on his way to help Jairus' daughter. But on the way to Jairus' home, someone in the crowd touches Jesus' clothes. And Jesus feels that he has been touched, feels that this power comes outside of him, that someone has been healed, and he stops. Now, at this point in the gospel lesson, or the gospel story in general, Jesus is well-known, and he has drawn a crowd. So being touched is not unusual. But the woman who touches him is someone who should not have been touching anybody. This woman was suffering from hemorrhaging, and she pushes her way through the crowd to touch Jesus because she knows if she can simply touch his clothes, not even get his attention, touch his clothes, she will be healed. And she is. Like a flash, she is healed of her hemorrhaging, and Jesus feels it. And so he stops, 
And he calls out into the crowd, who touched me? And wants to find out who touched him and who took this power from him. And can you imagine the crowd? They're excited that they might see Jesus go heal this young girl. And then Jesus stops. Can you imagine being Jairus? Thinking that this teacher is going to come and heal your daughter and then you stop? And Jesus begins searching the crowd for this woman and she finally presents herself. And Jesus in this moment could have said many things, but simply says words of love, calls her daughter, tells her her faith has healed her and sends her away in peace. Now, while he is stopped, word comes from Jairus's home that the young girl has died. And they have this moment where they realize that, you know, Jesus could have saved her, but now she's dead. And so don't worry about it. But as they're having this conversation, Jesus overhears them and says to them, do not fear, but believe. And so Jesus goes on to the house, raises the girl from the dead, and the crowd is overcome with amazement. Now on the surface, these two stories of miraculous healing are great stories. But when you put them together, they become so much more. This Markin sandwich is like a good puzzle where we have to discover the clues along the way. And it's that middle story that helps us understand the story surrounding it. And these two stories of healing raise some very important questions. In both stories, healing happens the way that we might expect that healing happens. A woman is physically bleeding, she is healed and she stops bleeding. But we know that sometimes when we pray for healing, it doesn't come. A little girl who is sick dies. Jesus shows up and raises her from the dead, but we know that not all children are kept from death. When we read stories like this, it can be hard for us to wrestle with the weight of the reality that we don't always get what we pray for, that healing does not always come the way we wish it did. And yet, healing can come in ways that we may not always expect. When we say our prayers, we may wish for a certain outcome, and yet God meets us and gives us something even better. If we look at this middle story from today's gospel lesson, it's important for us to understand that in Jesus's day, whenever anyone came in contact with blood of any kind, they were unclean. They could not be around other people. They were isolated until they were made clean again. For a woman suffering from hemorrhaging, she would have been isolated always. She would have been isolated from her family, from her community, her neighbors. She would have been living in isolation because she was never without coming in contact with blood. We know how it feels to be physically isolated from one another. A couple years ago, this story may have been very different, but now we know what it's like to be quarantined, to be separated, to be distanced. And we know that it does not feel good. And yes, of course, Healing her physically was important, but what Jesus actually did in this moment 
was something so much more profound. Jesus brought this woman to him, this woman who would have been understood to be unclean, who should not have been around any crowd and certainly should not have touched Jesus. And yet Jesus brings her to him. Jesus sees her and loves her. Jesus sees her and calls her daughter. Jesus heals her, not just physically, but spiritually. Jesus gives her a profound gift of no longer being isolated. Now, the healing may not have been like we expect, but the true healing came when Jesus reconnected her to her community. We have all, every one of us, prayed for healing for ourselves or for someone we love. And we have all, every one of us, found that our prayers are not answered the way that we hope or expect. And yet, God's presence with us is constant. God meets us with love and sees us just as we are. God's love for us through the gift of Christ, is one that can heal us. Not perhaps the way we see or taste or feel or smell, but something so much deeper. In our own pain and in our own fear, in our own hope, we may find healing manifested differently because our faith makes us well beyond anything we can hope or imagine. The faith that we are called to, that Jesus calls us to, is one of true love. And that power heals us in ways that we cannot always see. Jesus sees each of us just as we are. In beauty, in doubt, in hope, and in fear. However we are, Jesus sees us and loves us and speaks those words of love that heal us so deeply that we are given the peace that passes all understanding. God's love for us is perfect and whole, even if it doesn't appear the way we wish. And it is our faith that makes us well, well enough to go forward in peace, healed. Amen.